Mr. Panic Upon Us. Well, hello again, friends, and welcome on into episode 240 of the SCO Show, probably a part of the Pat's Pulpit Podcast Network and brought to you by the great folks at SB Nation. My name is Mark Schofield, back in the big chair for today, Tuesday, August 9th, 2022. And as sort of alluded to there at the outset, panic seems to be setting in among New England Patriots fans because the new look Patriots offense with an emphasis on outside zone and wide zone run concepts and boot action concepts filtering in off of those is not going too well at training camp. Later in the show, we're going to talk to Phil Perry, who covers the Patriots for NBC Sports Boston. He's going to have us his training camp update. He had Monday practices, which we'll get to in a moment. He'll have Tuesday practices to look and draw upon as well when he talks to us. And so we're going to talk about this emphasis on the sort of Shanahan-McVay offensive philosophy and how that transition is going. Before that, though, your usual cavalcade of reminders, along with some words from me. Please follow along with the hijinks on the Bird app at Mark Schofield. Check out the usual cavalcade of, of places where I write. USA Today's Touchdown Wire, SB Nation's Bleeding Green Radio, and the QB Factory Reboot, as well as Blogging the Boys, where I cover the Dallas Cowboys with Connor Live. So, and of course, at Big Blue View, where I cover the New York Giants. But the bulk of the work, all of the work, really, you can find on Twitter at Mark Schofield. And I want to start with Pink Floyd. No, not just because it's my show. No, not just because I still have a massive soft spot for Pink Floyd, but because in 1994, they released the Division Bell album. And it was sort of as described in the fantastic book, Pink Floyd, All the Songs, released by the New York Times, tells the story of every song released by the band. You know, in 1994, they described the division bell and they describe it here in this book as the unhoped for revival. A a productive renaissance, as it were. You know, because again, this was a decision by David Gilmour, Nick Mason, and Rick Wright to record a new album, you know, after their momentary lapse of reason tour. And that tour demonstrated that there was a future for Pink Floyd without Roger Waters. Now, one of the songs off of the Division Bell, one of my favorites, not my favorite song off that album, High Hopes, might be my favorite Floyd song next to Comfortably Numb, we're in the Inside Out, which, as described in this book, Pink Floyd, all the songs explained by the New York Times, it tells the story of a depressive individual, both through that individual's own eyes and through the eyes of a friend. And if you listen to some of the lyrics, you can see that. I mean, the song begins, From morning to night, I stayed out of sight. Didn't recognize I'd become. No more than alive, I'd barely survive. In a word, overrun. Now, that's how this song opens. And it's really the story of sort of this depressive individual. And I tell that because that's where Patriots fans seem right now. They seem very much in that sort of panicked, depressive state where the sky is falling about this offense. The sky is falling about Mac Jones, this, this transition to this outside zone, wide zone, all that kind of stuff. It's not going like people had hoped, like people had expected. And we're recording this on Tuesday morning. I'm going to chat with Phil Tuesday afternoon after the Tuesday practice, but here's a synopsis of, the Monday practice from Andrew Callahan, who does great work 
covering New England Patriots for the Boston Herald, he put out some tweets at the end of practice. Atrocious offensive practice, the worst yet. Mac was 10 of 17 with an interception, only had short completions and full speed 11 on 11s. Most were hurried. Offensive line isn't blocking. Wide receivers aren't separated. Run stuff's pressure. Desperate Mac, it's, quote, bad. And he's not the only one making these observations. Phil Perry, who we'll talk to in a moment after Monday's practice. Patriots defense is running roughshod over the offense. Highlights for that period were sacks by Barmore and Judon. Offense looks broken, can't protect, losing one-on-ones, blitzes getting through, no run game, miscommunication on routes. One highlight for the offense was a jump ball touchdown grab by Devontae Parker. Jones-led offense had 10 completions on 23 dropbacks in their first three competitive 11-on-11 periods. Almost every completion a chore. Of their 10, at least four looked like checkdowns. There is anxiety about this Patriots offense. And as somebody that tends to stay on the optimistic, bright side, it's only early August side of things, it does feel like it's getting late early. And perhaps that's due to the external and not the internal. And what I mean by that is, look around the AFC. For years, Bill Belichick has often subscribed to this idea of things take time. You use the first four sort of four games as a pseudo extended training camp to figure out what you can and cannot do, right? You figure out what your accommodations will be on both sides of the football, you know, what you're going to do offensively, what you're going to do defensively, what you're going to do, you know, from a run-pass ratio, man versus zone in the secondary, things like that. You start at Miami, at Pittsburgh, Baltimore, at Green Bay. I'm not so sure that that first four games pseudo training camp jives with those first four games on your schedule. Particularly when you look around at how good this AFC is, how good this AFC East will be. People saying that Buffalo is going to be five and two. I mean, excuse me, fifteen and two this year. You don't have time to sort things out now. In a great article over at the Herald, Dante Skarnacki talked about how, look, hey, Bill is going to do what's best for this team. It's early. They've just put the pads on. They haven't played anybody in a different jersey yet. If we get into mid to late August through a couple of joint practice sessions and some preseason games and it's still bad, they'll scrap it, etc. And I believe me, I, I very much side with that point of view. But again, it does feel like it's getting late early. Now, can this kind of offense work? That's one of the other questions that's sort of underlying things. Like, can Mac Jones be a boot action quarterback? Outside zone, wide zone, all that stuff. Is this something they can do? And as Skarnicke points out, and as I can show you and tell you, outside zone has been part of their offense for decades. you got playbooks that show it. The boot action element, obviously, that's not something you do with Tom Brady. And there's, you know, a question of can Mac Jones run that? I think it's important to remember that some of the quarterbacks that have been bootstrapped in these offensive systems and have had success in these offensive systems that have made playoff runs, Super Bowl runs, Matt Ryan, 
Kirk Cousins, Jimmy Garoppolo, Jared Goff, they're not super athletes. And yes, this is not Mac Jones has done a ton of dating back to Alabama and dating back to his rookie year last year. But let's re- let's remember the old scout and refrain: scout the traits, not the system. He didn't need to do this stuff at Alabama. Devonta Smith was wide open, forty yards streaking downfield, and they didn't do it last year because with Josh McDaniels, they had that offensive system. Now they're trying this with Mac Jones in limited snaps. I pulled up. The 40 snaps he had at Alabama his last year where he made throws from outside the pocket. And the 53 uh, from last year. If you look hard enough, you can find examples of him executing these types of designs. He had a completion against the Jets in Week 17. You know, they're up by a lot. It's fourth quarter. But a sprint concept with a two-level flood where he throws it well on the move. You know, you can find against Notre Dame in the semifinal at Alabama where they got a first and goal play from the seven. And again, it's a sort of boot sprint concept. Makes a perfect throw on the move to Devonta Smith on an out route. Puts it in the perfect spot, and it's a touchdown. Like, I was on with Andrew Callahan. We recorded an episode Monday night, and he asked me sort of what's Mac's ideal offense. It might not be this in my mind, but it's something I think he can do. And when you start thinking about what you have up front, when you start thinking about your receiving room, tight splits, bunches, things like that, that you see in these offensive systems, they work to create traffic and get separation for receivers. Now, also, it's important to remember that while they have had plays like this in the playbook, nailing down the timing and the execution of outside wide zone, stuff like that, takes time. The Patriots have been a, you know, an offensive run scheme that has been very diverse in years past. But this emphasis on outside zone, wide zone, it takes time to get that timing down. Take, for example, outside wide zone to the right side. Center and right guard, they have to deal with a one-technique nose tackle that's in the A-gap between those two players. You've got to sort of execute that combination block. As the guard, you have to feel comfortable knowing when you can peel off and get to your next guy. As the center, you're going to feel comfortable that the guard's going to help you execute that reach block on that player. If that guard peels off too early, you get penetration from that guy that can stop that play. If the guard peels off too late, now the guy on the second level, that next player the guard's trying to get to, he can blow it up. It's like a symphony, a concert. And John Williams didn't put together some of his incredible musical scores over his career overnight. It takes time. Keith Lockhart doesn't show up at the half shell on July 4th at 4.15 in the afternoon and say, all right, what are we playing tonight? You practice it. It takes time to get that symphony, all those moving parts right. And I I sort of want to close with this. Return it to Pink Floyd for a second. Return it to wearing the inside out. Because the story of that song ends with the protagonist in the song starting to come back to life. I'm creeping back to life. My nervous system all awry. I'm wearing the inside out. Look at him now. He's paler somehow, but he's coming around. It's been so long since he spoke. Well, he can have the words right from my mouth. And with these words, I can see clear through the clouds that covered me. Just give it time then speak my name. Now we can hear ourselves again. Because the end of that song is 
that light at the end of the tunnel. And I think that's what Patriots fans, you need to keep your eyes on right now is that light at the end of the tunnel. Because I, I was on my Eagles show with Mike Kay, uh, who covers the entire NFL league-wide for Pro Football Network, and he talked about this. So it's not just coming from me. Defenses are ahead of things early in training camp. Offenses are getting timing and rhythm and all sorts of moving parts down. Defenses, as he put it, largely react to things. Let's give it time. Just give it time. If we're here three weeks from now and they've gone through some joint practices and training camp games and preseason games and the offense is still struggling, well, then we're in that Skarnecchia scenario of do they scrap it or do they forge ahead with this? Just give it time. But that's just me. You're going to hear from Phil Perry next, live from Foxborough, as to where this offense is. That's ahead here in episode 240 of the SCO Show. And welcome back to episode 240 of the SCO Show, proudly a part of the Pat's Pulpit Podcast Network, brought to you by our great friends at SB Nation. And enough of me. You've heard enough near panic and Pink Floyd lyrics from me. Let's get to somebody that's actually on the ground, the one and only, the great, the tremendous Phil Perry, kind enough to join us for a few minutes here. Phil, my friend, how you doing? Mark, I'm doing great, but we never get enough of you, man. We never get enough of you. No, people get Don't enough. Don't say that. People get enough of me. No, I doubt it. They're here for a reason, man. Kind of, kind of. So, so Phil, you're at camp. And full disclosure, we're recording this at like 4 Eastern on Tuesday afternoon. And it's my understanding that as Mr. Tom Curran walks behind you, that things were a little bit better on Tuesday than they were Monday. So let me start here. I'll ask you. Basically, what I texted you last night is it time to panic? Not yet. Okay. It's not. It's still too early for that. Now, had they had a repeat performance of Monday's practice on Tuesday, Mark, I would have said five alarm fire. It is ugly and there's really no pinpointing the exact issue, but they bounced back. They showed a little bit of progress, run game and pass game. I think th- I think the main culprit, right? So we're talking about a little bit of progress. It's Tuesday. It's August 9th. They've been practicing for a couple weeks now. This was probably their best practice since the very first day of camp practice in late July. So it's been a struggle for them. And the primary culprit when it comes to the reasons for some of the panic that you're seeing has been the offensive line. They can't protect. They can't run block. They can't do anything. That that had been the story really until today. So was today smoke and mirrors? Did they just happen to have a good, a good day? Is it going to look awful on Thursday night in this preseason game against the Giants? I don't know. But that had been the issue. Like you would come to practice, Mark, and you would watch them seven on seven before they go full team, 11 on 11. And you would say, what have you guys been talking about? This, this looks fine. Mac Jones has just completed eight passes in a row. The deep, the defensive backs are trying. You know, the coverage is tight. The throws are accurate. What's the worry here? And then you'd see the full team get on the field and your head would explode because you've never seen anything like what I saw on Monday, at least from an NFL practice. Mark, I, I'm telling you, it was probably the ugliest offensive performance I've seen in a practice since I started covering the team. Now, granted, the majority of my time covering the team has been with Tom Brady, but still, I, I, I can't remember a day like that that the offense had on Monday. Is there something at work, Karen? You've been a lot 
around a lot of training camps, even with Brady, where the offense tends to just lag a little bit. Like defenses are reacting, they're flowing to the football, and offenses are trying to install things. And that's putting aside the issue of this new Shanahan McVay offense that we'll get to. Could that kind of be the culprit here? Yes. Well, but because but it's on steroids because of the new system. Mac Jones has called it a new offense. He told us today that not only is the offense and some of the language, you know, which we've heard from other players, has that been changed? Obviously, the coaching staff has changed, but also the way that they call their protections has changed, which to me, and I don't have the football IQ that you do or that many others do who would maybe be able to explain this to me. Why do you have to mess with that when essentially your entire line minus your first round pick? who's expected to come in and play right away has been in the system and been in it for multiple years. And David Andrews has his masters in, you know, Patriots offensive line speak. I just, that one is baffling to me. So you look at it and you say, you got a new offensive line coach in Matt Patricia. He also happens to be the offensive coordinator and play caller. All of these things he's never done before other than assist Dante Scarnecchia for a couple of years, 20 years ago. And now on top of all that, now you're changing the language for the guys who actually knew what they were doing coming into the season, Mark. Why would you do that, do you think? I, can you make that make sense for me? I, I, I can't. Did Mac elaborate on the protections and how that's changed? Or did you just say, look, it's, it's changed and sort of leave it at that? He didn't. And so he said, you know, I've seen every protection that there is in, you know, my time playing football. And, you know, uh, he acted as though he hasn't been phased by it. But clearly when the offensive line performance has been as bad as it's been through the early part of camp it's very easy to draw these lines right where we're looking at it we're saying huh, i wonder why the guys that are supposed to be blocking don't block so good well the guy who's supposed to be coaching the blockers is hardly coaching the shouldn't say hardly coaching but matt patricia is supposed to be the offensive line coach he spends his time a lot of it with the quarterbacks understandably so he looks like he's going to be the offensive coordinator he also hasn't done this before either job and so we can look at that. And then you're telling me on top of it, the language maybe has changed or the protections have changed for the guys who already knew what they were doing coming in. You're really starting from scratch and that's what it's looked like. Let me ask you, let's construct it this way. In one-on-ones, the guys up front, how are they handling those? Like, do they look good in one-on-ones and when you get to team, that's when it falls apart? Yeah, yeah. I, it's a great observation, you know, for you to, ask about because that that is the case you know Trent Brown has been borderline unbeatable in one-on-ones and he hasn't been I would say an issue at all in the 11 on 11s um Cole Strange has been up and down I think what you might expect from a rookie both in team and one-on-ones Michael Wenu has had very good reps in one-on-ones against Christian Barmore who's been very difficult almost impossible to handle for everybody else that has seen him in that setting uh even Isaiah Wynn has been okay so in the one-on-ones, it's just there's something about they get out there for team and you see guys lose their one-on-one reps. You see free runners, you know, whether it's from the second level, just off the edge, completely unblocked, and a play implodes within a second and a half of the ball being snapped. It's just you can't run an offense that way. So uh, that's why today was encouraging. Even though they didn't like the world on fire, it was not necessarily machine-like, but they did protect for a reasonable amount of time. You know, they did have holes to run through. This this outside zone running game had some holes to run through for the first time in a long time. They're also incorporating some of the older Patriots stuff, 
Mark, which has probably been the plan all along. Okay, let's hammer this outside zone stuff because we really know we want to do this, but we haven't done a ton of it. So let's do a lot of it early, make sure everybody kind of understands what we're doing there. And then we'll have the ability to turn to all these other pages in our playbook if we really want to. So you see duo and you see power and you see all this stuff that they've run for so long and that stuff looks fine. So today it felt like a representative NFL offense, which was a far cry from the day before. Let me ask you sort of one more question about like the struggles from Monday. Are you seeing it? If you can't answer this question, that's fine. I understand like there are limitations here, but when the offense is struggling to protect say in team, is it like exotic blitz stuff or is it just like base, like, blitz stuff or pressure stuff or just guys getting free both all okay. all of the above yeah d d is the answer <laughs> we, we don't like sc- when it's d. on your scantron oh, that's not good <laughs> um what is it when in doubt go see wasn't see, that always yeah, the just, that was always the advice down the middle i guess and then i think they found out that was wrong then at some point i feel like it changed to b i don't know but the, the kids that listen to this podcast are probably screaming at it right now yeah, um they're like no it's always you go a b a b c like there's some pattern to it but so really, it's a little bit of everything. So, so I would say, uh, just as sort of the cherry on top of the analysis from yesterday's practice, not only was it a bad practice for the entire team, and it wasn't just the offensive line. Like, there's miscommunication between even guys that you think would have a good rapport with Mac Jones, like Mac Jones and Hunter Henry down the sideline. Is it back shoulder? Is it a go ball? Is it what you know? What are we doing here? Trying to middle it and throwing an interception, like it, it's bad. But um, Justin Haran. I would say had one of the worst practices I've ever seen from an individual player in a practice where just, you know, and he's a backup tackle, but he's, but he's in there for Isaiah Wynn, who's missed time. He's, he's banged up right now. We don't know um, with what, but he loses to Matt Judon off the snap and Matt Judon's on Mac Jones. Mac Jones just eats the ball and the, the, the pass doesn't even get thrown because the rep is so destroyed. So uh, he had he had a really rough practice run game pass game. And I thought part of the reason it was better today was because they threw in Yadni could just at right tackle in place of Haran in place of win. So that I think actually made a, a little bit of a difference. So we'll see moving forward. But uh, yeah, it's, you know, it's free runners. It's free runners from the second level, you know, run game, pass game, you know, like the run game has been what's been really weird because even though we say this is like a new offense and Mac Jones said it's a new offense, they've run outside zone before. Right. It's not like it wasn't in the playbook. They just didn't, they didn't build everything else off it. It wasn't, you know, a pillar necessarily of their offense. And it looks like a, I don't know how many bodies in the trenches. I don't know. It looks like, it looks like an 11 car pileup. You know, and there's just a mass of humanity and you have a running back who just gets to the, the line and just looks at what's in front of him and says, what do you want me to do here, coach? And right. and the play's over. Yeah. So that, that's what has been one of the weirdest things to see is that even in the run game, you, you get it past game, the communication's weird, it's early in camp, chemistry's off. For as many runs to get stuffed as they have for the New England Patriots is is odd. So we'll see if that continues. Let me ask you sort of, it seems like the silver line and might be Tyquan Thornton and that he's sort of carving out a bigger role. And maybe if we had expectations to be a redshirt year, maybe not, maybe he's going to be a bigger part of this passing game. Is he the silver lining right now in your eyes? Yeah, I think he is. I, you know, I actually, I like the other acquisition at receiver too, Devonte Parker. Now he sort of is what he is. We know what he is, but when the ball is within range for him, that catch radius is pretty impressive. 
We've seen him go low off the shoe tops. We've seen him go high up and over defensive backs. And so I don't know how many people he's going to run by, although he has run by Malcolm Butler a little bit, which I think might say more about Butler than it does mm-hmm. about Parker at this stage. Uh, but he has been good when given opportunities. Thornton, to me, has been really impressive because he hasn't just been about speed. Right. Really, very few of the plays that he's made have been about straight line, just run by a guy. It's been tracking the football, making catches in contested situations. I remember talking to coaches from Baylor who really pointed that out. He wasn't afraid to work the middle of the field, number one, but also when there were bodies there, when there was traffic there, he had the ability to lock in, concentrate, and finish the play. And we've seen that on multiple occasions. So he has been working his way slowly up the depth chart in that we've seen him work a little bit more with Mac Jones in the last few days. And uh, we saw him just absolutely destroy Terrence Mitchell, who looks like he might be starting at corner for the Patriots. They've been shaking up that cornerback depth chart the last week or so, but uh, a double move that just put Mitchell in an absolute blender. And that guy's a, you know, he's a, he's a pro corner. He's a journeyman corner, but the combination of the speed, you can tell it threatens guys who have practiced with him because they know that he could run by them at any minute. And so if, I feel like once the season gets started, if he can kind of put that on tape, even if it's just in the preseason, and I don't know what number he's going to be. He's going to get a real number on Thursday night, Mark. That's really exciting. He's been number 51. But, you know, if you can just have that on tape, I know the scouting report will say four too, but, you know, okay, when this kid's out here, you know, we got to make sure that we're getting our asses back because he could run by any of us. Once you just put that in their minds, I feel like it just opens up so many opportunities. We've seen him make plays on comebacks and, back shoulder throws and like all sorts of stuff, um, you know, that is not just the nine ball, go yep. get it, buddy. You know, right. so that that part to me has been really impressive because if he can play, Mark, if he can play and they finally hit at that position, you know, now you're talking about maybe taking your offense to another level, which is what today's NFL is about. Let's be honest. They were good last year. The numbers were good at the end of the year. They had compiled some really good numbers in terms of scoring, but I don't think anybody would say they were among the elites of the NFL offensively, if they can get a great player there. I don't know if that's what he's going to be, Thornton. But man, it would go a long way in terms of putting them sort of getting them closer to that class. Absolutely. Phil, this has been tremendous. Let me get you out of here on this. They get a chance to hit somebody else Thursday night. You know, first preseason mm. game. You know, we right now we don't know who's playing. We don't know if Mac's going to play. Bill hasn't sort of said that yet. I don't get a chance to hit anyone on Thursday night, by the way, which I sure? think is just a shame. I'm sure you could smack somebody. Well, you know. I don't know. I'd like to go home at the end of the night. I don't want to end up true. in the in the drunk tank. I think that's, that's probably true. where they'd end up putting us. <laughs> if you had to take somebody well, out the of the press box in the press box right now, <laughs> would they take us just straight down to the? I think that's what they do. I'd end I'd end up in the bowels of Gillette Stadium for smacking somebody. I don't know. It's who. Like Philly, right? Where they get the the courtroom and everything set down there. If yeah. you could draft one member of the Patriots media for me to smack, who would it be? Oh man, I'm gonna have to plead the fifth on that one. Oh come on, come on. There's got to be somebody. Hmm. Is it Callahan? No, it might I know be you, Evan. Oh, Evan? Now yeah. Big time, right? Yeah. You know, now he's in-house. That's true. That's true. I thought I might get a reaction from Callahan. I think he's sitting Oh, you mean like, you could say within Callahan arm's reach. Within arm's there. reach right now. Yeah. yeah, okay. All right. Well, sorry. What's what was your what was your um well, the Patriots actually get to hit somebody else on Thursday night? What are your expectations for that? Like to get out get out of here in that one. I don't think Mac Jones is gonna play. Yeah. I just I wouldn't do it if I'm Bill Belichick. I don't know 
you'd be a good person to ask this, but like the reps, the lot, I know they're, you know, they're live. The threat of punishment is real. That changes things. But what you might gain from call it, I don't know, 10 snaps, right? Two series, whatever it is. What you might gain from that, I think it is dwarfed by what you might lose. Yeah. <laughs> Especially given what we've seen from the offensive line. You know, if if Leonard, I don't think, is Leonard Williams going to play? I, I don't know. It feels like probably not. Preseason game number one. But do you get enough out of those plays? Two series of work, if that's what it is, to risk having player X fall on your ankle and right. take away practice time, even if you don't miss a regular season game. Now you're now you're down. Your offense just had a decent day of practice. It feels like you're trying to build something. Mac Jones himself says, "You know, we're just we're just we're two percent. We're two percent away. We're really close." I know I'm going to get this is how we put it today. You know, I I'm going to figure it out. I always have, I always will. So you feel like you're kind of close to something and then you played them in a preseason game for what? So I don't know. Do you think those live reps are worth it? Probably not. I mean, especially when right now you're just trying to stack good days. Like the, the risk seems to outweigh that, especially if you're going to give him 10 snaps, he's going to hand off on nine of them. Like, you know, what's the point? Right. So that, that I don't, so I don't know how much we'll be able to take away from that game, right? If he's not out there, if, you know, Damien Harris doesn't play, if Trent Brown doesn't play, I, it doesn't feel like it's going to be a big time takeaway kind of night for those of us on this side of things, Mark, unfortunately, even though we will continue to write our articles and we will continue to do our podcasts. Absolutely. But uh, the good news is next week you get joint practices with the Panthers. Yeah. And do you then think the week that's after that, the you get two- test? Do you think that's kind of the bigger test? I think so. And I think if they ever, you know, I'm somebody who has said, I think Bill Belichick would be willing to move away from these offensive changes if they just continue to not work. He's he's not going to slam his head into a wall for the better part of two months just to make something work that he thought was going to work. You know, I, I, I don't think his ego is such that I, I know that his ego is not such that he would force that in that way. But I do think that if it looks bad, and again, they were better today, so maybe this is the progress that they're looking for and they feel like, but if it continues to blow up on them, say they can't run at a lick in, on Thursday night, then they have a couple practices. I think they'll have one practice actually uh, before the joint practices, and it sucks through the joint practices and this outside zone thing, and we, have, we still haven't hit a single play action shot off of this thing. Like That's the whole, you know. We've got high hopes for this. It's supposed to make us more explosive. It's supposed to make us more efficient. It's supposed to take pressure off our quarterback, off our line. Like there's, there's a lot of reasons for us to do this. And I I believe that. But if they got through their Panthers practices and it was still a misery to watch, that could be for me the point where they just pull the plug on it. So that again, progress today. And so maybe that buys them a few more days with this whole new system thing. But that to me will be more telling the the Panthers practices, not even the Panthers game, just those two practices, as opposed to what we're going to see on Thursday night. Well, Phil, this has been tremendous. Always great to see you, buddy. Keep crushing it. Remind everybody where they can find you and what you guys going on coming from Foxborough so practice and training camp. Oh, uh, you can find all of my stuff at Phil A. Perry on Twitter, same on Instagram. And we're doing a lot from here, whether it's our stock up, stock down pieces daily. 
Uh, we're trying to do some some featurey stuff every so often here, and we've got our next pass podcast uh, every week, which has been a lot of fun. We talked to Trey Nixon, who I think is he's maybe come back a little bit to the pack. I probably cursed him a little bit, Mark, because he was our next Pats guest. You've been the next Pats guest. It it, it probably set you off on a bad week yourself. Yeah. Uh, every time it, you've been with us. It's a real thing. The curse yeah. is real. Yeah. So, uh, so that has happened maybe to Trey Nixon, but I think he can play a little bit. So uh, we're having some fun with that too. So it's all on NBCSportsBoston.com or again at Philly Perry on Twitter. Well, Phil, thank you so much, buddy. Always appreciate your time and your wisdom. That will do it for today, kids. I'll be back next week. Be back next week. We're going to try that again. Until then, friends, stay safe. Check in on your neighbors. Check in on your loved ones. Wash those hands. And when you do, sit along and bless those Patriots reigns. Down in Foxborough.